0: in a series right now simply called I'm In, and what we're doing through this series is we're just, we're looking at the different, different, different parts of, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, specifically as it relates to church life. And last week, we looked at uh, the importance of cultivating a vibrant relationship with Jesus. You know, Jesus didn't invite us into a religious relationship. He doesn't call us into a casual, casual relationship or a guilt-ridden relationship with Him, He invites us into a a vibrant relationship, a relationship that's full of life, life to the full. And so last week we looked at a vibrant relationship, and this morning, and actually next week as well, what we're going to look at is the importance of the corporate worship gathering. This thing that we're doing right now, that we do on Sundays, the corporate worship gathering. Some people call it church, some people call it the weekend service. Some people call it just simply worship, but we're going to call it uh, a number of different things, but we're going to look at this time, and I was actually going to try to pack this all into one one sermon this morning, but it just did not work, and so we're going to actually span this over two weeks, and so if you're a sermon note taker, we're only going to get halfway through your sermon notes, okay? So as we're, you need to know that, because I know some of you will be getting to the end, and all you'll be able to think about is how in the world are we going to do all this in the last one minute? And then you'll be trying to fill in all the blanks all on your own, but we'll get to that next week, okay? So, um, but this morning we're going to look at the, just the importance of, of this time that we have together. We don't actually talk about the why of Sundays a whole lot. We just kind of come and do it, but we're going to look at that this morning. I actually was born on a Sunday. Um, my mom didn't go to church that day for obvious reasons. But, but knowing my mom, she probably felt just a little bit guilty that she wasn't in church that day. My parents, they had this very, very strong belief that had been passed on to them by their parents and their grandparents that, that um, they should never, ever, 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 ever miss a church service. So how this worked in my home is if, there was, if it was Christmas Day and, and church was on Christmas Day, we would show up at church. If there was two feet of snow outside, grew up in Canada we would show up in church. If we were camping in some remote wilderness campground in the middle of nowhere, what would happen is we would get in the vehicle, we'd trek off to some little podunk town and show up in this little redneck church service, and uh, that's just how it worked. Missing church was actually so rare, in fact, that I can remember the times that we did miss. I remember um, one time, so growing up in Canada, played a lot of hockey, we had a weekend hockey tournament and I remember my parents, they were, they were just stressing out and agonizing so much over this decision, whether or not they're going to let me play hockey or go to church, that you would think that my eternal destiny was lying in the balance. That's how they stressed over this. When, it, when we were sick, we would, most of the time, we would still go to church. There were some cases that kind of qualified as being sick enough to miss church, um, like the time that I was in ICU for 10 days, that qualified as one of those times. But most of the time, sniffles, sore tummy, whatever, pop a couple Tylenol, off to church we went. In fact, my parents believed that if you were sick, you needed to be in church so Jesus could heal you of your sickness. I mean, that's just how it worked in in my home. And as a kid, I actually wasn't a big fan of church services. Um, Church meant being inside while all my friends were playing outside, football, hockey, playing in the forest. It meant having to sit really still for a really long time. It meant having to um, endure hugs from ladies that I didn't know. Uh, it meant uh, the smell of, of musty carpets, old coffee, um, someone's really old Old Spice. Uh, it, it just meant getting all dressed up. And so I wasn't a big fan of it. And on one hand, so you got my parents. They, they're just like, Rich, you got to be there every week. It was actually Richie back in those days. We, we just, this is what we do don't call me Richie, okay? I, just, I probably shouldn't have told you that. But, but they were a little bit legalistic, a little over the top when it came to um, weekend church attendance. But on the other hand, they also understood the value of, of consistently gathering together under one roof with the people of God, the church. And it wasn't just the value that they had. In fact, as, as you read through Scripture, you see that from the very beginning of time, God has gathered his people together. People will always have their lives outside the church. You know, we've got families, we've got kids, we've got work, we've got the sports that we do. We're always going all over the place. But despite all that, and maybe even because of all of that, God has been gathering his people together. Pulling us from wherever we're at during the week and gathering us together for this, this corporate worship service. Now for those of you in this room who are thinking, oh great, I've missed a couple Sundays this month because of vacation or because of whatever and this service is Rich has designed this just for me and he's gonna be looking at me for the whole entire service because I've missed some church. Be at ease this morning, okay? It is not about that at all, okay? That's not what this is about. You don't need to spend the next 30 minutes thinking of a good explanation for why you've missed church to, to tell me after the service, okay? I don't wanna hear it, that's not what this is about. That's not what this is about. Um, but what I do wanna uh, show you and, and hopefully convince you of this morning and next week through scripture is I wanna convince you of two things. First thing is this, that this time together, the week in service is far more important than you realize. And number two, this time together isn't nearly as important as some people think it is. And uh, the church across much of the world invests almost all of its time, all of its resources, all of its energy into the one hour that takes place on a Sunday morning. And it's become way bigger than God ever intended it to be, but even though it's become something that he didn't necessarily bigger than he ever intended it to be, it's still nonetheless a very Important vital part of the life of someone who has committed themselves to following Jesus. And um, if it wasn't important, we wouldn't see this pattern throughout history of God bringing his people together. And so, what I want to do is I want to actually give you a quick history lesson on this meeting, this gathering together of the church. And uh, as throughout history, where the church has met hasn't been nearly as important as why they meet and what they do when they meet, but Still, the, the meeting place, the gathering place, has played a prominent role in the, in the history of the church. So, way back in the day, uh, um, in the earliest days, God's people, the Israelites, would gather around a big pile of rocks. And they would call that an altar. They would pile up a bunch of rocks. I don't know why they piled up a bunch of rocks, but that's just what they did. They piled up a bunch of rocks, and they would, they would gather around it and, and worship God. The ceiling was uh, the, the starry sky or sunny sky. Next, the Israelites, during their their exodus, when they fled from from Egypt, um, God, he called them to build something with a little bit more structure, a little bit more to it. And so they built what was called um, a tent or a tabernacle. And uh, this is a place where God would meet them. God would dwell there among them. When you think tent, don't think your your six-man, Coleman weathermaster tent. That's not what this was. It was way more elaborate. It had these huge poles. It had had these separate rooms, and it had these, these intricate designs. And, and they would set this up, camp around it, and then for many days, they, they would just hang out there. Then when it was time to move on, they would, they would tear it all down. This was like the precursor to the set-up, tear-down church. That's how we had our early days here. Yeah, some of you remember those days, church in a box, set-up, tear-down, move-on kind of thing. But the tent for, for Israel, it became this gathering place for the people of God. Once the Israelites settled into their new land, this promised land, this guy named Solomon, he becomes king, and he has it on his heart to build something more permanent. And so he builds this, this building called the temple, a place where once again, God's, God would meet with his people, and, and his people would meet with one another. And not a lot of people back then, and even still to this day, thought that, that the building was the place where God dwelled, but Solomon, he understood that, that this was about much more than the building. He understood that this, this building couldn't possibly contain the presence of God, and so he's built this temple. It's, it's all done. He's, he, he stands back, and he, he looks at this, and he, he says this. He says, but will God really dwell on earth with humans? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you, how much less this temple that I have built. He knew that it wasn't about the building. It was about God's people meeting together so that they could meet with God. So after the temple, the nation of Israel, as history would go, the nation of Israel would, would, would get conquered by foreign nations. The, the temple would be destroyed. The people would be taken away in exile. But still, they saw the importance of coming together. And so what they did is they established these buildings called synagogues. Synagogue is, is simply a word that means a gathering together. So they would meet at these synagogues. And so Jesus shows up on the scene as you read through the, the, the four Gospels. You read about Jesus' time on earth. You, you read about how he was constantly in the synagogues. He was, he was shown up in these, these buildings. He'd go there, and, and he would teach people. So you've got this portion of history, God's people, right up until the point of Jesus. And up until this time in history, the meeting place, it played an important role in, 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 in the ability of God's people to meet and worship God. It was kind of like the building was like the doctor's office. You want to meet with your doctor, what do you do? You just, you just can't show up at your doctor's house and say, hey, I got some issues. You just can't call up your doctor and say, hey, you want to meet for coffee and, or do you want to come over to my place and we're just going to talk about what's going on. You can't do that. If you want to meet with your doctor, you got to go to the meeting place, which is the doctor's office or the hospital. It was kind of the same deal with God back in those days. If you want to meet with God, you had to show up at the meeting place. Now, there were some exceptions where God would just kind of show up in people's lives, but for the most part, you had to go to the meeting place, whether that was a synagogue, a temple, or, or, or an altar to meet with God. But then Jesus comes along. He dies on the cross. And, and through his death and through his, the, his blood that was shed on the cross, one of the awesome things that he accomplished and that he did is he opened the way for us to meet with God anywhere, anytime, any place. doesn't matter who you are. The Bible talks about how we can come boldly into the throne room of God and right there into his presence no matter where we're at. And so here you have Jesus. He comes and he leaves, and then you have the early church, and with this new access to God, does this mean that they're not going to meet together as much? No. In fact, exactly the opposite. They, they continue to gather together, although instead of gathering together less, they, they gather together more. And, 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 and only now, the meeting seems to matter more, but the building, it seems to matter much less. And, and now, all they need is any place large enough. If there's enough room, it'll work. Doesn't matter if we're meeting in someone's home. Doesn't matter if we're meeting in a temple. Doesn't matter if we're meeting down at the library. Doesn't matter if we're meeting in the marketplace. It doesn't matter if we're meeting in an open field. As long as there's room enough, let's just get together as God's people. And, and so we see this in the book of Acts, the, a, a book that's regularly that's describing the life of the early church. It says this: They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, into fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. And then we see them meeting somewhere else. And they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. It doesn't matter where they are. They just really want to get together and encourage one another and praise God together. And I love the picture that we have here of the church. There's excitement. There's glad and sincere hearts. You can just kind of see them getting together. There's a buzz in the air. They're just like, hey, we're coming back together. But this would all drastically change about 300 years later. In the year 313 AD, the Roman emperor at the time, a dude named Constantine, he converted to Christianity. And when he converted to Christianity, all of a sudden you've got the leader of the, the dominant superpower in the world who's a Christian, and he did some awesome things when he converted. So all of a sudden, he converts, and he says, okay, uh, I'm going to outlaw the persecution of Christianity. Christians had been persecuted, killed up until that day. He says, no more. He did a lot of really good things, but, but, but with him coming to Christianity, some, some bad things also happened in that he allowed some powerful people to bring to Christianity their former ideas of what the worship of God needed to look like. And so where the early church was, was fairly informal, all of a sudden things changed and the church became very formal. You had um, things like incense, elaborate clothing, processionals, all this p- pageantry that was brought into the church. Pretty soon the equality that, that, that existed between leadership and and those that weren't in leadership just kind of evaporated. All of a sudden, leaders were given fancy titles. They were given fancy robes to wear. They were given special privileges. And before long, the congregation went from being involved in the life of the church to simply becoming spectators in the life of the church. And for meeting places, Constantine, he, homes, random places just wouldn't do. He's like, we're going to build the biggest. We're going to build the best. And so he built these massive cathedrals and, and church buildings, all these basilicas, all these, these, these different places for people to meet. And it changed. It changed the course of history. And the biggest tragedy of all this change was that the church, it ceased to be a movement that was impacting people, that was impacting and changing the world around them. And instead, the church became a building. The church became a a meeting that that you and your family needed to attend if you wanted to stay in your pastor's good books. And in short, the church became stagnant. It became stagnant. And this would continue on, if you're familiar with history, the dark ages, all that stuff, this would continue on for hundreds and hundreds of years. And today, even today, 1700 years later, we have some lingering misunderstanding of what the church and what this gathering is all about from way back then. There's some myths that are still around today. One of the myths is this, that the church is a building or a meeting. It's this. This is the church. It's, it's this meeting. It's, this, it's, it's, it's the, the sheetrock, and the, you, could, you could drive around this county all over the nation, you're going to find buildings with the word church on them as if that's what, what, what the church is. Um, even this morning, this week, I'm sure some of us in the room, including my, my own, my, myself, my own family, as we're discussing our weekend plans, we're talking about today, you probably at some point said, are we going to church on Sunday? Or talking about being at church. It's like church is a meeting or a building. It's not. Church is us. It, it's, it's a people. Another myth that that there is around church is that the church service, as we know it today, is a God-ordained must-have. Did you know that there's nothing in the Bible that says you got to meet together on Sunday morning and you need to start off with with a few worship songs, then you got to have some announcements, and then you got to have some guy get up there and and talk for a little while from God's word, and then you got to close with uh, some, take up the offering and then dismissal. None of that. There's none of that. There are very minimal instructions in the Bible around what this time needs to look like. Some of the things that you see in the Bible are um, when we get together, we need to remember the Lord's death. We call that communion. Some people call it Eucharist. There's no instruction on the frequency of that. Uh, another thing that needs to happen, it needs to be led by qualified leadership who teach God's word. Another thing that needs to happen, it needs to worship in song. Ephesians 5.18 talks about getting together and singing not only to, to God, but to one another. Another thing that needs to happen, people serve one another with their spiritual gifts that they've been given. Some people have been given the gift of encouragement, some the gift of hospitality, some the gift of leadership, and you serve one another with those gifts. Outside of that, it's kind of whatever, whatever you want to do. Even within these instructions, there's lots of room for interpretation. The other church myth is this, that that I don't really need to attend weekend services in order to follow Jesus. And that's true, by the way. If being a follower of Jesus is simply identifying with a Christian family, if being a follower of Jesus is simply identifying with a set of values, if being a follower of Jesus um, means you come to a weekend service that's just lifeless, it's just religious, um, you're just getting together with a bunch of people who don't really want to be there, If that's the case, then you don't really need this to be a follower of Jesus. But my Bible tells me that being a follower of Jesus is about so much more than that. When I understand what this Christian life is like for the follower of Jesus, it becomes pretty clear pretty quick that I need to gather together with God's people on a consistent basis. And I'm going to give you four reasons why that is. And this morning, we're just going to get into reason number one. And next week, we're going to get into reason, reasons number two through four. But here's, here's a reason why it's so important for us to gather together. It's this. Simply, survival. Survival. Now, I got to tell you, I am not a big fan of the word survival. Um, to me, it, it's, it's kind of a word that says I'm just kind of like clinging on. I'm just hanging on by, by, by my, my last dying breath and this... This Christian life is just all about trying to survive and trying to get through the day. And, and yes, there's definitely seasons like that, but I, I don't believe that should characterize the, our, our faith. In fact, Jesus talks a lot about life and life to the full. And so as I've been preparing this week, I'm like, God, is that really the right word, survival? Should we put something different in there? Should we put something that just that, that, that doesn't sound like, or we're just all trying to hang on till the end? But then I felt like God said, no, Rich, survival is a great word because survival, when you say that, it reflects a humble posture. It reflects humility. It's like you're saying, I can't live the life that Christ is calling me to on my own. I have to be getting together with other believers. I have to. And I would even say this. If you think that you can survive and live the, the life that Christ calls you to on your own, you are mistaken. You just can't. You might even have a little bit of pride. You cannot live this life that he calls you to. You can't live it on your own. You won't survive. I'm going to give you a few reasons why you won't survive on your own as a Christian. The first one is this. You won't survive on your own because you have a call on your life that's too difficult. All of us. Last week, we we talked about what it takes to be a follower of Jesus, the life that he's calling us into, leaving my way my self-centered way, the pull of the world and all its pleasures. He calls me to turn from that, make a 180-degree shift, and go his way. I can't do that on my own. We read this verse last week, and I'm going to read it again. Jesus said this, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. This life that he calls us to is no walk in the park. It's not. If you got into this this life as a Christian, just thinking it's going to be a bed of roses, hate to break your your little bubble there, but it's just not. It's not a walk in the park. You you, you will need the strength and the encouragement that comes as you gather together with the church. Next, you won't survive on your own as a Christian because you have an enemy opposing you who is too cunning and he's too malicious. We probably have all seen those... um, Planet Earth or, or Animal Planet, you know, you got the, the cameras on the, the big herd of wildebeests and then all of a sudden a couple wildebeests just kind of stray off for whatever reason. And as you're watching that, you, you know what's coming, right? Everybody knows. Those, those wildebeests, they're going to be somebody's lunch really soon. You just know, okay, there's a lion or a pack of lions or a, whatever you call it, pride of lions. They're, they're just hanging out over the, the, the grassy hill there and come nightfall, those wildebeests are, are dead meat, right? You just, you just know that's going to happen. It's not a whole lot different when you're a follower of Jesus if you're just trying to do this thing on your own. You are, you're opposed. Your life in Christ is opposed. You have an enemy. The Bible says this so clearly. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He looks for that person who's just kind of straggling off trying to do life all on their own. You can't do this on your own. If you get separated from the support, separated from the strength of the local church, it's not a matter of if you'll be taken out. It's a matter of when you'll be taken out. And by by taken out, I don't necessarily mean that you're just gonna flat out turn your back on God. I don't necessarily mean that you're just gonna get to a place where you just, you dive into a world of just overt sin. In fact, taken out will more likely mean that your faith will just grow stagnant and you will be relegated to the sidelines of this mission that Christ has created you for of making an impact and a difference in the world around you. When you get separated, you get taken out. You won't survive on your own, which brings me to the next point here. You need need to, to gather together with other believers because you've been given a mission to accomplish that's too big. Everyone who considers themselves a follower of Jesus, doesn't matter if you've been a a believer for, for one day, if you've been following him for the last 50 years, we have all been given the same mission, the same call is on your life, it's on my life. And Jesus put it like this. The Bible says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And here's the mission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Have fun doing that all on your own. That's going to be pretty tough to do all on your own. You, you just can't. Jesus never intended that, that we would even try to. His plan all along is that we would do that with a group of people that we would gather together and that, that we would support and encourage one another and that we would make a difference in the world around us together. And so what is all this survival? Maybe you're sitting there scratching your head. You're going, Kate, rich. we're talking about survival and and mission and, and, and being opposed by, by an enemy. What, is this, what does this all have to do with us coming together on a Sunday morning? What does that have to do with anything? Well, let me explain it like this. Back in uh, the year 2008 was definitely a low, low point, if not the lowest point in my life. Um, my family, I just, had, I just had resigned from the position that I was in my church. My family had just moved to a new town. We did not want to move to this new town, but we just felt like, I mean, we really had no options at the time. Uh, so we moved to this town. We were living in a, uh, really, we had six of us at the time living in a, a really small um, two-bedroom townhouse that was that was half of it wasn't even finished. And uh, I, I was working a job that was just way outside of my calling. I was confused about what God was doing in my life and just was, was, Becky and I were fighting all the time. We were both struggling with depression. It was just not a good time in my life. I was feeling like a failure on every level, failure as a dad. I mean, my job, I was working swing shifts 60 hours a week and uh, just had no energy at all for my family. So I just was feeling like a failure there. I was feeling like a a failure as uh, just every level. And uh, life was just in a dark, dark, dark place. And so Sundays would roll around, and guess where the last place that I wanted to be on Sundays was? In a church service. Last place that I wanted to be. And I was in a season of life. There's, there's only actually been a couple of seasons in my, a couple of seasons excuse me, in my life where I haven't had to go to church. So as a kid, like you heard in the beginning, I kind of had to go to church. My parents just, they made me go all the time. And most of my life, I've been involved as a pastor in a church. And so when you're a pastor, you kind of have to go to church, right? Like, it's, you know, it's just a good thing that the pastor shows up on Sunday. Just That's just how it works, right, in my, my, my profession. But here I was at a season in life where I didn't have to go to church. And so I didn't have to go, and, and I didn't want to go. And I didn't want to go, and I didn't, I didn't want to put on the happy face I've never been a good liar. You know, some of you have heard my story with, with poker addiction and how I just lost thousands of dollars. Well, bad liars don't do good in poker. And I just lost a lot of money. But, but here I was. I didn't want to show up at church. I didn't want to put on the happy face. I didn't want to pretend like I was doing better than I actually was. And, and I knew that people were going to ask me questions that I didn't want to answer. And the one question that I dreaded the most that just created this dilemma for me every week, the one question I just did not want to face, was the question, you, you might even know what this question is. The question was, how are you doing? And I'm telling you, every Sunday it created this dilemma for me before I, I, we, we took off and left. It's like, hey, okay, do I show up and do I just, do I, do I lie? Do I, do I kind of fudge things a little bit? Do I fake it? What do I, what, what do I tell people? Do I, just, do I just, or do I just show up and I just tell the truth? Do I just be completely honest? You know, like show up and someone says, hey Rich, how you doing? Uh, my life is the worst it's ever been. Um, I can't stand my job. I'm depressed. Becky and I fight every day. I don't even want to be here. Thanks for the program. Have a great morning. I, is that what I do? And it created this dilemma for me every week. And I, I just didn't want to be the, 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 the guy that would just show up and be a fake. And here I was though in, in life, and I was, just, I was getting my butt kicked. I was getting my butt kicked in life barely surviving, if I was even surviving, and I certainly wasn't living life to the full. But, but here I, I knew, I knew deep down that I needed to get to a church service. It had been instilled in me by my parents, and, and I had read enough of God's word up at that point to know, okay, this is, this is just important. It's a, an important part of, of my life as a follower of Jesus, and I had experienced the presence of Jesus in a church service enough. That restorative, life-giving presence of Jesus to know that I had, I had to get there. And, and I can remember a couple times where we would show up. And I don't want to paint a picture for you that's not entirely true. We actually missed a lot of church back in those days. But, but there were times that I would show up. And I remember one time in particular where I, I did not want to be there. And, but, but we got all the, the kids ready, and we just kind of showed up and came in. And I remember standing there in the worship service feeling just so discouraged, just full of so much doubt and questioning God and his purposes and all this kind of stuff and just feeling just like a complete failure. And then this song was sung. The worship leader led us in this song, and there was this line in there. And it was such a moment for me that it brings I mean, you can tell. All the emotions are coming back right now. But the line was simply this. All of my life, in every season, you are still God. I have a reason to worship. And it was like in that moment that here I am just surrounded by the dark storm clouds of life. And here, here I am in this moment. It's like God came along as I'm hearing the words to this song and listening to people around me singing this with everything they got. God comes along. He pulls back those dark storm clouds. It's just like hope, strength, restoration, comes in that moment. And yes, that was, it's not like I left and everything was just hunky-dory from that point on, but it's like I had this, I was given this strength to just persevere a little bit longer. And there was times where where people in that church would just kind of take us under their wing, they would invite us over to their home for dinner. I would show up on a Sunday and and the, 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 the guest services team, they would shake our hands and you could tell they were glad that we were there. And if you're part of that gift services team here, don't ever underestimate the power of a warm, friendly, sincere handshake. Hey, glad to see you. Thanks for coming out today. But here I was in this moment, and and God just works so much through those times together just to bring strength, to bring encouragement, and to bring life. Another thing, I got to tell you, I don't remember one single sermon that was preached during those two years, which makes me feel a little bit, uh, like, okay, uh, all this uh, that I do, and, and likely you're not going to remember a whole lot of it. I know how it goes because I've been there. But I do remember the moments where, where the, the preacher dude up on stage said something that just brought some hope, that brought some strength, it brought some redirection in my life that I needed. And those, those weekend services just became a time where I just, in, in this dark season that I was in, I just, it, they just brought hope and encouragement and they sustain me. I wouldn't have survived otherwise unless I'd showed up. Unless I'd showed up. The Bible says this. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. Not giving up meeting together. So when you're discouraged, when you're when you're in a place in life where you just want to throw in the towel, the Bible says do not give up meeting together. When you're at that stage in life where, where you just got all kinds of little ones running around the house, and the last thing you want to do on a Sunday morning, you've been working your butt off all week, the last thing you want to do is herd, herd them all together. It's like herding cats. You, you get them all together and dress them up and feed them, and all the work that goes into getting them together on Sunday morning, going, that's the last thing I want to do. The Bible says, do not give up meeting together. Or maybe you're, you're, you're in a place where you're just struggling in life. you got this, maybe it's a sin issue that you're just, you're wrestling through, and you just don't want to show up and, and, and have it look like maybe you've got things together. And you, so, so you're going, I don't want to show up and look like a hypocrite. The Bible says, do not give up meeting together. Or maybe you're in that place like I was in. You go, my life is just a mess. Last thing I want to do is show up, put on a happy face, and pretend like it's all okay. The Bible says do not give up meeting together. And by the way, you don't have to put on a happy face around here. It is totally okay for you to show up on Sunday and for someone to greet you with a big smile and say, how are you doing? For you to say, my life sucks. I need some worship. See you later. Okay? (laughs) That's totally okay around here to say that. The Bible says, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Get together. Get together. Encourage one another. Sing. Sing songs. Ephesians 5:18. Gonna, I, I can't wait to get into this next week because, because when you sing. When you sing, it's not not just singing to God. Ephesians 5.18 talks about your singing is for one another. When you get together and you you declare that he's great, you declare that his, his, his praise will always be on your lips no matter how bad life is, it not only does something to your spirit, it does something to the person beside you who's also in that place. Get together, the Bible says, and encourage one another, support one another, be there for one another. And what I want to do, how I want to actually close off this time together is by simply doing that, by encouraging one another. And what I want to do is just turn this, kind of shift gears here a little bit and just turn this into to a, a place of prayer. And what I want to do is I just want to pray for you, and I'm going to ask the worship team if you guys could come on up here, but what I want to do is just is, is pray for you. Maybe you're here this morning, you're discouraged, maybe you're here this morning, you're battling something. Maybe you've got some issues that you're facing in your marriage. Maybe you've got some issues that you're facing as a family. Maybe you're a a student getting ready to head back into school, and you're moving up to middle school or high school, and you're just anxious. I would love to be able to pray for you this morning. And I would also love to be able to have someone here just put a hand on your shoulder as we do that as a way of saying, hey, we're all in this together. So I'm wondering, I'm not gonna have anybody, I'm not, we're not going to close eyes and bow heads this morning, but I wonder if anybody here would be so bold as to say, hey, that's me. I could just really use some prayer, some encouragement this morning. If you could just stick your hand up this morning, is there anybody here in that boat? Awesome, a couple people, several people. Just keep your hands up nice and high. And what I would love to see happen is, is if, if, you're, if you're beside someone who's got their hand up, There's no pressure to do this if you're not comfortable with it. But if you're beside someone who's got their hand up, if you could just move out and put a hand on their shoulder. And I'm going to just lead us in prayer in just a second. I see some hands up up at the front here. If you could just move out, that would be awesome. Even just stretch a hand out to the row in front of you. Put your hand on somebody's shoulder. That would be awesome. Awesome. We'll just wait. We'll just wait. Really cool. Jesus thank you that you have us here together at this, this time. Lord, it's not an accident that, that we're here. Lord, it, it's, it's your plan. It's your plan. It's been your plan from the beginning of time that your church would be gathering together, your people would be meeting in a place like this so that, so that we could encourage one another, so that we could, could, could plant our flag in the ground and say that our God is great, our God reigns. He, is over, he reigns over sickness, he reigns over strife, he reigns over depression, he reigns over fear, he reigns over every single issue that, that is represented by a raised hand here this morning. And so, Lord, I'm thankful that you know every detail of every situation, and I, I, I thank you that you care so, so much for each person here. And I ask Jesus that, Lord, you would begin to move in, that Jesus, you would begin to intervene in each one of those situations, That Jesus, you'd begin to bring healing, you'd bring wholeness, you'd bring victory, you'd bring restoration. Lord, whatever is needed in that situation, I pray, dear God, that you would bring that. That you would meet each person right where they're at. Father, I pray that you would be glorified. And Lord, I just want to thank you, Jesus, for this time that we have together. And I pray, Jesus, that you would work in this time, not just this morning, but Jesus, as we gather together over the next weeks and months and years, Father, may this, this moment become just a moment that's a critical component, crit- critical part of our life as a follower of you, Jesus. May we experience your presence on Sunday morning, Father, in this new season, more than we ever have. God, may we experience your joy. God, may we experience that gladness that, that Lord, we read about in the early church. They would get together, and it was just excitement. They would just experience your strength and your joy when they met together. God, may that be us as a church. Lord, may these times together just be full of the life giving presence and power of Jesus. And Father, I just want to thank you for all this. I pray all these things in your good, awesome name, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.